Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. We are back on Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. I'm Russ Goldman. Along with me is Steve Balistrieri and Derek Havens. This episode, we have several topics we're going to be talking about in the Patriots 4th and 2 roundtable. Along with that, we're going to start looking at the AFC East and the teams in the division and see how they have improved or if they've improved at all. We have a lot to get to, but I'm going to get started by talking to my friend, Mr. Balistrieri. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. We're talking about NFL draft. We're talking about free agency. This is my favorite time of the year, so I'm doing quite well, and the sun's shining. The sun is shining. It is shining great, and I just want to mention this to anyone that is a regular listener to Patriots 4th and 2. Steve and Derek did an excellent second episode of their draft preview, Defensive Prospects. Please check it out, and also check out their Offensive Prospects. They did the uh, week prior. Great stuff. I would highly recommend it. And, Steve, I want to start with you because, again, we have plenty of topics in the Patriots 4th and 2 roundtable, but I thought this would be a great jumping-off point because I saw this article on NBC Sports Boston from Tommy Kern. So Steve, I can tell Patriots are greatly diminished from team that beat Remsen Super Bowl. And it's an interesting article, and I thought we could talk about it and get your thoughts on it, and Derek as well. What are your opening thoughts about what Tom wrote about? And do you agree with what he wrote about here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if you... Uh... If you look at you know the team that they fielded in the Super Bowl, this this team is greatly diminished. But as we've said often on this show and elsewhere, um, you know the uh, the the date is only April fourth, so we have a long long way to go. Um, you know we still have the draft, we still have more free agents that are going to be out there. And the bottom line is, you know, they're going to make some deals. I mean, you know, and I, I get where, where he's going with this, but the bottom, again, for me, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, are the Patriots diminished? Of course they are. You know, you only have to look at who they lost in the coaching ranks and the players, but is it time to panic yet? If they go into uh, June mini camps, 
with this roster and this coaching staff as is, then I'll be worried. Until then, I'm not so much. I'm not worried right now. And you guys did a good job about this discussion. You had a little bit talking about it on your last uh, draft episode. I think it was Derek who talked about if we're in June and uh, this is the situation, then obviously I think that's something that we have to talk about and uh, potentially panic. But right now, what what is there to panic about? And yes, he's right that, that the team is uh, different from the team that left uh, Atlanta. Absolutely. I mean, that's obvious. But I'll just say it again. I mean, it's April. There's a lot to do. A lot to do in the uh, draft. And then there could be a trade. He's throwing out this idea that they could be a blockbuster uh, trade, Steve. I want to ask your thoughts on this because I I could care less if it's a blockbuster trade. I care if they can bring in a good player that can help them. This idea that they need a, like a name guy is complete utter BS for me because when I saw blockbuster, I thought, okay, he's playing to his TV audience and it doesn't have to be a blockbuster name. It just needs to be a player that can help them. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't I, I don't worry about the um, you know if it if it's a blockbuster if it's a big name the Patriots have never been worried about bringing in the big name guys they they worry about guys who fit guys who will do well here and as we've seen I mean you know they brought in a guy that everyone thought they vastly overpaid for in 2007 a guy named Wes Welker. And, you know, at the time when they brought him in, you know, there was a bunch of ho-hum. That, oh, man, they gave up way too much for a guy that couldn't stick with San Diego and Miami. And how'd that work out? So, you know, we've seen this time and time again. It's not so much for the name value. It's somebody that's going to be able to fit. And they've Absolutely. done that. They've yep. done that time and time again. That's a great point. I'm glad that you brought up Wes Walker. That's a great example of a player that came on to the team. And uh, I thought it was a good move at the time. It turned out to be a great move. But at the time, it wasn't viewed that way. It was just viewed as a move. The big move that year was Randy Moss. That's what everyone was talking about. But the move that actually really helped them probably, in my mind, just as much as Moss was Wes Walker because I think they worked so well in unison. So I think that was extremely significant. I think that gets lost in the shuffle, and that's what we're talking about. That wasn't a blockbuster move by namesake, but it was a blockbuster move by ended up being with uh, his value to the Patriots. So that, that's a good point there, Steve, by bringing up Wes Welker. Derek, I want to get your thoughts. Welcome back to the show. You did an excellent job hosting the last show, so I want to mention that, of course, both draft shows. What are your thoughts about this article and also the fact that Tommy Kern just throwing it out there that we could say he's just, again, speculating because of the Patriots track record that we could see a seismic trade, a blockbuster trade. I don't care if it's a big name. I just care if it's the right fit. Like Steve just said, if it's someone like Wes Walker, that works great. It doesn't have to be Randy Moss, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think a couple of different things here. For one, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious the team is much worse than the team that lost the Super Bowl. I mean, they've, they've had a, they've had a lot of departures. Uh, there's, Obviously, still a lot of time left in the offseason, so I would tell fans and analysts to pump the brakes. Uh, You know, I'm actually more concerned about the coaching departures at this point than the player departures. But, you know, I I, I obviously, anytime you lose, you know, a a starting 
uh, tight end who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh, your your left tackle who played like an All Pro last year. Your uh, you know one of your best defensive players, and you know then uh, and those are just your top three before you start moving into all your other role players. Obviously, it's not ideal. I mean, you have to replace those guys, and and it's going to take it's going to take between the players they have on the roster, players in the draft, players in other rosters. There's a lot of moves to come, and I, you know I I do think you have to you have to look at uh, the coaching staff as well and figure out how are they going to uh, help shape this roster going forward. And that to me is the really the big problem right now. Yeah, can we see a big trade? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people have floated AJ Green. That to me makes some sense. If Cincinnati's kind of hitting the reset button, a lot of people have floated Julio Jones. They kind of are in a weird position, so I could see them kind of blowing it up a little bit. But I could also see them being like, "We don't. We just had a bad year last year. Let's just rebuild a little bit." It's it's be hard to trade one of the best receivers in the game just because you think you're going to reset a little bit. So. I, I'm not really sure if, if a big trades in the future. I will be shocked, though. I mean, I I do feel like between now and a month from now, the roster is going to look very different. And I agree that, with that. And that will happen with obviously the draft, yep. and then right after the draft, there'll be another wave of free agent signing uh, that always happens. So uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of free agent action going on between now and three weeks from now. Okay, very good there, Derek. And to go off on this because I think it's a good jumping off point. And I understand where you're coming on talking about not just the players that have left and also the coaches that have left. But um, I want to throw this out to you, and I want to give Mr. Balistrieri a lot of credit because he actually brought this to my attention. So, I'll, Steve, I'll go right back to you after I give this to Derek. And, again, this is credit to you. Let me ask you, what team in the AFC, as constituted right now, scares you? Because if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and Steve brought this to my attention this morning off air, look at – the players they have lost, especially defensively. So I know the Patriots look diminished, but how about the other teams uh, around them? The biggest threats, because I think Kansas City is the biggest threat. They are much weakened right now as well. Well, I would say the Steelers are weaker too. I mean, I right. think you're looking at exactly some of the best teams. I mean, the, the only team in the AFC that's really moved up a ton is yep. probably the Browns. And I <laughs> still don't okay. think they're – in that top couple conversation, I mean, they could be. They had the potential to be. I'm not ruling. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to rule out the Browns being in the top four of the conference next season. Okay. But I'm also. And I'm not ruling out that they could be the Philadelphia Eagles of a few years ago when they brought. Could in be. All these big it's games. a little bit of a different mix because a lot of it's homegrown. You know, they made one big trade, some, but they've. Some of it is. Yep. I mean, you're talking about. You're talking about a lot of uh, of different guys coming in because John Dorsey just blew up everything Sashi Brown ever even tried to put together. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Patriots have lost a lot. Um, They've taken a step back. The Chiefs defense was already crap and it's gotten worse. And I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I, I guess they've lost a couple things and I don't know. Tyron Matthews is better than Eric Berry. I know Eric Berry's beloved there. And I, I, I've heard Eric Berry's a great guy. I've seen, I've seen some, good things on uh, um, from him article-wise. I'm, I'm sure he is, but as a player, he's lost a step. So Tyra Matthews probably an upgrade over him, but they need a lot. They need, they need edge help. They need, they need corners. Uh, they, they need some help, but I, I don't know. The Steelers too. I mean, was Antonio Brown addition by subtraction, maybe a little bit. 
but I don't believe in Mike Tomlin, and you also need to replace that production at the end of the day. Yep. I don't know. The Chargers are going to be in this weird position, I feel like, forever. We're, the Chargers are always going to be the media <laughs> darling that every year we're right. going to hear from the good morning football people. I'm not just talking about them specifically. I'm really just talking about, oh, I know about, what you mean. Yeah. You know, like the, <laughs> you know, the, those types of people are going to be like, oh, the, this is the Chargers year. No, it's yep. not. Every year, it's not. Uh, it, I promise you. It's been, the, it's been that way for 15 freaking years. So, um, you know, yeah, babe, the Patriots, you know, I, I wouldn't really tell you anyone to worry about. But do I feel great right now? No, I don't feel great. I, I mean, I, I'm not panicking, but it's just it's it's a situation where it's a you're looking at an incomplete picture. Of course, Derek. It, you know, again, it's like maybe we're not even halfway through the movie yet, and we're all making judgments. And I've been down this road before. We've all been down this road before. And then they make moves, and everything looks different. And if this is the team that starts the season, I understand the panic, but I don't expect this to be. The, the team that is going to be starting the season in September. That's just not the way I look at it. Steve, over to you. Again, you and I talked a little bit about this because when I look at this, and I understand why Tommy Curran is writing this and he's focusing on the Patriots, but if we're really being honest, we should look at the teams around them and see if any have gotten better. And Derek just brought up a good point. The Steelers have gotten worse. And then, of course, you've got the Chargers who are the Chargers. But if you look at the Chiefs, they've gotten worse. And then if you want to throw out the Cleveland Browns. I even brought them to you. I just don't know if they're ready for prime time. And as I said, they could potentially be the Eagles, or maybe they could make that jump up. Only time will tell if that all gels together. What are your thoughts about the teams around the Patriots? Even though the Patriots right now on paper look a lot worse, the teams around them as well look worse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Steelers lose Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Um you know, and then, you know, the Chiefs, like Derek said, their defense was their Achilles heel last year. It's worse. And they, they lost their two best edge guys. And the guys they replaced them with, uh, uh, to me, are not anything close to what they lost. I mean, I don't even think you can make that jump that, you know, oh, these guys are going to be better. I, I don't think you can make that. And, and you know, um, yeah, Tyrone Matthew, uh, yeah, he's an upgrade over Eric Berry because Berry's injury issues have, you know, just gotten too too hard for them to, to justify keeping him. But then again, like he said, with the Steelers, and then <laughs> the Steelers, they need cornerback help. And the guy they signed, Stephen Nelson, came from the Chiefs, who, if memory serves me right, that was the guy the Patriots picked on in both games last year. Yeah. The game in Foxborough in the AFC Championship game. You know, so I mean, is is that an upgrade for them? I, I I wouldn't say so, but then you know, that's why we're only in April. I mean, this is it's early, so nobody no team is going to look like they do right now in September, and that's why it's like I I mean, you can make the eye sure they're a lot weaker than they were. I mean, it's, it's obvious it's right in front of you, but uh, you know, again, there's a long way to go. We have five months before they're getting ready to, to play their first meaningful game. And that that's a long time to build your roster up. And I'm, I'm not worried that they're going to do it. They've done it every year. They're always right in the mix. They're very competitive. And I don't see why you would automatically start to think that they're not going to be able to do it this time. Track records there. And that's why I believe as you guys are doing your draft, 
talk that there's going to be an opportunity there, whether it's with the players that they bring in, if they make some trades. There's a lot you know, of moving and, parts. Excuse me for interrupting. Go ahead, you know, for, for the down year that they had last year that everyone talked about, oh, it was a down year. They won yep. the Super Bowl. I know. They won the Super Bowl in, in quote-unquote, a down year. I, and I wish year, uh, right? people, people would remember that little tidbit. I mean, how many teams have a down year where they win the Super Bowl? Can I interject uh, on something though? I I, ahead, I, I do I do want to go off that point because not a problem. Go ahead, there. Do you feel like? Because I, I I mean I don't know if you guys remember this, but right before the Chargers game, which I in the playoffs, which I predicted yep. them to win, I thought they were going to beat the Chargers and lose in the next round, which was presumably yep. Kansas City, but. That's kind of besides the point. Before the Chargers game in the playoffs, I knew that – I mean, I said it from the beginning of the season that I thought this offseason was going to be a, huge in terms of all the moves that were going to need to be made. But before the Chargers game, I was saying that they were they were going to have to overhaul a lot because they were in desperate need of playmakers. And there were a lot of problems. Even though the Patriots won the Super Bowl and they played – Lights out down the stretch. Their best three games were their last three games of the season. I mean, it, they were clin- they were clinics. We've talked about it. I know you guys agree. At the end of the season, they played perfect. That's all. That's all well and good. But do you think that the, winning the Super Bowl it has turned into a little bit of a scapegoat for this team? Because yeah, I mean, obviously they won the Super Bowl, so it's hard to sit here and be like, well, they're in a really you know crappy position right now. Well. well- I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing because, yep. yeah, they won the Super Bowl last year, but they have a lot of work to do. Their roster's taken a real step back. Okay, well, if I really look at it, Derek, and you brought up playmakers, right? Obviously, you have to now replenish at the tight end position. That's obvious, and hopefully they will do that in the draft. That could be a work in progress, so I understand where you're going on that. But if you're looking at the – playoffs please tell me that you think that the lack of weapons was the reason that it held them back in the playoffs I, I don't understand that at all there no le- going into the playoffs they, they were really lacking playmakers and then in the yeah, playoffs the same thing in 2001 uh, okay but you can you, okay I know I know you want to go back to 18 years ago that's fine um <laughs> do you want to talk about and, and you just said 2001 so that's literally 18 years ago so yeah, I mean it was we can either have a conversation, or we can just re- we can just throw on you know three games to glory two thousand and one and sit here and oh, let's do pull that. Our pants That'd be down. great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, would wouldn't you say that you know they're two of their biggest? I mean, two of their biggest playmakers in the postseason were Gronk and Edelman. Yes, absolutely, Derek. Okay, it, so it we're talking about someone who's now retired and someone who's thirty three years old. So also, don't you think don't you think it's fair to just be like? Yeah, we're gonna to need to go ahead and start replacing these guys. That's why the draft is so important. Sure. That's why I'm sitting here and being like, you know, I can understand why fans are kind of like, you know, tapping their foot, <laughs> tapping their foot a little bit, being like, all right, the first wave of free agency's gone. You you kind of swung and missed on a few players. You know, you got to kind of reset here a little bit. So, you know, it, it's a weird well, here's situation. Here's my counter to that, Derek, and I want Steve's thoughts. And I understand where you're talking about that. Let's be honest, the Patriots have changed their offense to be more of, I would say, 50-50 and really depending more on the running game. You would agree with me on that, right? Because you have an aging quarterback, and they're doing, in my mind, what the Denver Broncos did to win back-to-back championships, Super Bowl 
titles with John Elway. So I think some of this is offset by their approach. Sure. I mean, they certainly they certainly wanted to emphasize the run game yeah. for a lot of different reasons. And Sonny Michelle, I thought, now. you know, ran, ran pretty great. I, I think yeah. – I'm hoping Michelle improves in his second year. I thought he was going to be more explosive as a rookie, but I thought he still had a very good year overall. But okay. he didn't look as uh, as explosive as he did at Georgia. So I'm okay. wondering if that knee injury early in the year kind of uh, hurt him a little bit. Maybe. I mean, also he had he kind of escaped several seemingly, you know, <laughs> looking very very serious injuries earlier on in the year. But I'm hoping that he can kind of take a little bit of a step forward. Although with running backs, it's really cut and dry. <laughs> I would say with a lot of different players in the NFL, it's it's like okay, it might take two or three years before they really hit their full stride. With running backs, you kind of know early on. So I'll be curious to watch Michelle early on in the season and see how he see how he's running. Okay, Derek, I'm glad that you brought this to the table. Steve, your thoughts on what Derek and I are currently talking about and give your view. Yeah, I mean, do they need playmakers? Absolutely they do. I've, I'm, and no one's arguing that point. It's I'm not just, either. I mean, it's it's just a point of, hey, we're still early in the process. And, you know, I'm looking at it from the point of view, they know what they have to do. I mean, it's everyone every spring we go through this and so many of these media guys and fans think bill forgot how to build a team and you know his track record suggests otherwise i mean uh, you know a down year for them was 11 and 5 and you know i i'm not worried that they're going to build a a good team i think the, you know the running game was a mixture of two things they wanted to take some of the onus off of brady Right. And two, they knew they were, you know, especially especially in the beginning of the season, they knew they were lacking, as Derek said, playmakers in the passing game. So they, you know, wanted to lean more on the running game. I think they'll do more of that again this year. I expect uh, Sony Michelle to have a really good second season. Okay, moving on. Steve, I w- want to ask you a little bit about an article. Again, another article, just just a good talking point that uh, Greg Bernard wrote in Boston Sports Journal. Uh, I do subscribe to it, and it is entitled Patriots could have over $70 million in cap space next season. What are they up to? So I read the article, and I w- want to see if you got out of it what I got out of it. It's creating this Armageddon in 2020 that everything could change. Everything could be moving in a different direction in 2020. Again, Greg just throws up theory that potentially Belichick could be setting it up for the next coach because they're going to have all this cap space. He could be weaving. Who knows? And that might be why they have all this cap space. Brady could be retiring because he's an aging player. And according to Greg, he showed a decline last season, even though he was comparing it against an MVP season the year prior. So the article was interesting. But I just find it I find it fascinating that he used the word Armageddon. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that was uh, that that was interesting to say the least to use that word. I don't. Know. And again, I'm. I mean, it, could all of this possibly happen? Absolutely, it could. But I'm not banking on that either. I mean, <clears throat> you look at all these players, 
And yeah, worst case scenario, they all leave. They're all gone. And, you know, are they going to allow that to happen? Do you really see that happening? Do you see them cutting ties with all of those guys in that article? I don't. I think some of those guys, some of them will be gone. Right. Some of them may have to, you know, tweak their contracts like they do every year. And some of them are going to stay. I I can see guys like Van Noy coming back, you know, some of their special teams guys. And, yeah, but some of them other veterans, I think, you know, we're probably going to see McCourty retire, you know. And, and again, I mean, <clears throat> sure, all of this can happen, but. I, I, you know, I, I think it's uh, trying to read the tea leaves a little too closely there. I mean, yep. you know, and, and again, I mean, I'm not saying it's absolutely not going to happen, but uh, the the one scenario where he points it out that they were going to tank the season for the Clemson quarterback, I just don't see that happening at all. I don't see that at all. So, uh, but I mean, hey. You know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Right. And, right. And uh, again, so, he's just yeah. throwing it out there. I understand why he's throwing it out there because he's just has this, you know, he has these ideas of, well, why do they have so much cap space? What are they doing with it? So he just throws it out there. It's an interesting topic. So that's why I thought we could talk about it here. So that's very good. Derek, I just want to go back to you. I want to get your thoughts on what, on what uh, Greg Bedard wrote on the Boston Sports Journal just one more time. It is entitled Patriots could have over $70 million in cap space next season. What are they up to? And Greg basically uses the word that 2020 could be the year of Armageddon where many different things could happen. You could see Belichick get ready to leave because there's all this cap space set up the next coach that way. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe Brady retires. So what are your thoughts about this? Are you looking at 2020 as maybe like Greg is the year of Armageddon? No, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, I'm not really sure. I, I'm not really sure why people really put, put all this together. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Brady's getting older. Belichick's yep. getting older. The, the, the salary cap is, is, is enormous. Uh, I believe you already said it's the eighth most next year. Yes. In the entire league as of now. I mean, what are you? I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure it means really anything besides kind of just a coincidence. I, I don't really look into it that much. I mean, is it a chance to reset? I mean, yeah, their roster is old. They need to reset. I mean, they have a lot of. I don't think they have a very good roster. I think for the most part, last year they got bailed out by their playmakers, and I think that they have a lot of work to do this year and. They're going to need the same, you know. They got they have a couple playmaker, they have a couple of playmaking, you know, superstars, Hall of Famers, and they also have a great coaching staff. And you know, they have a lot of work to do. You know, I, I, they're going to need a whole roster reset. You knew when Brady and Bill walked away eventually that you were going to have to kind of blow it up and put it back together. And I, I don't think next, I don't think next year is really that year, though. I I still think if. If I, I think they might draft a quarterback then, though, Derek. I, th- I think it starts, but I don't think it, it, it's Armageddon. No, I mean, I, yeah, sure. Do they do they draft a quarterback? I mean, you have a lot coming out next year. You have right. you have Tua from Alabama. You have Justin Herbert from Oregon. You have Jake Fromm from Georgia. I mean, those are just the big three. Uh, and you know, there's gonna be a couple other guys, obviously as well. 
And then you have a pretty good quarterback class the following year as well. So the next two years, I think, are where you want to draft your successor. I agree. Uh, you know, we've talked about that before. I don't think this is the year to do it. I think you, I think you plug and play your holes that you have right now. Try to reset some of your roster, put some more support around Tom Brady, and go try to win another ring while you can. And then in a year or two, yeah, you you bring in the next guy. Okay, excellent. All right, Derek, right back to you. You actually were talking about this before, so I thought this is a, a great way to start talking ab- about this topic. Thoughts on the retirement of Greg Schiano and what this could potentially mean? Because we, we, you've already mentioned about all the coaches that have, have left. Well, now you have the defensive coordinator leaving. So what does this mean for you? And then I'll go to Steve. I find this situation very puzzling and uh, I'm not really sure what to make of it. I know, I know that's not great radio, but it's, it's fascinating. You, the team doesn't even announce that he was an official addition, even though the, even though the Belichick talks about him in a press conference, like he's part of the coaching staff, it was reported that he was part of the, the coaching staff. We understand that he was around. So now really what the, so he was here in capacity going to be the defensive coordinator, even brought, over one of the coaches they brought over, Bob Frazier, that he that that was Greg's guy, that that he's always been with Greg Schiano, and they brought him along too, and then unexpectedly he just wants to walk away. So <coughs> I get it, uh, you know maybe he maybe he and his wife had a conversation and he thought it was probably not good. I'm sure he's made plenty of money, you know, in the coaching life you're going to be working you know a hundred hours a week and getting about you know ten hours of sleep, so. I know it's not easy, and I'm sure it would be stressful on any family, so I can understand all that, but I find it very confusing. I mean, you're talking about, you know, four weeks after the fact. Uh, he's not even officially hired. They actually send out a team release. You know, it it's a little disappointing, and it's a little frustrating from a, from my perspective because I, I, I was interested to see what he was going to bring to the team uh, I don't. I don't really know a whole lot about his coaching style, but I know that he's a hard-nosed football guy, and I know that Belichick trusts him, and those two things are good enough right. for me. I I do feel like you are at a situation with the with the coaching staff right now that there is a lot of open positions that are frustrating the offense. The offense I'm frustrated about for two reasons, and I don't know if you guys agree with me. The offense okay. is one thing because. On one hand, you can look at it and say, you have Brady and Josh. Yeah. You don't have to worry about anything else. Like, really, like those are your – you have an offensive coordinator on the sidelines and kind of one on the field, too. So you can look at it and just be like, okay, they're good. Well, if Brady's going to pull the same stuff that he did last year where he's not showing up until the end of the year, well, that's kind of a problem, especially for the newer players when you're going to have a ton of new receivers and tight ends trying to learn the offense. That's a little frustrating. And then also on the side of the defense, you're going to have – you're going to have pretty much the whole plate on, or Belichick's going to have to take on really a large portion of it as of right now, as he tries to teach some of these younger coaches. So there's less voices in the room. Uh, there's, there's left really experienced guys in the room. And those two things are concerning to me. Okay. Steve, over to you. Thoughts on what Derek shared in regards to Shiano. He's concerned about the lack of, I guess you could say established voices with uh, experience when it comes to the Patriots coach and stuff, I think I understand where Derek's going on that. And of course you, you have less numbers and you've lost Greg Shiano. We don't know what he would have brought. So it's, uh, 
I guess you could say I could see where he's coming from, where it being a little bit concerning. Your thoughts? Right. Uh, I totally agree with that. I mean, you you look, they still have a lot of empty spaces on the coaching staff, and it's most of it on the defensive side. Now, you know, offensively, I think, you know, you have Josh McDaniels, you have Brady, you have Skarnecki, you have Ivan Fears. I think they're, they're going to be they're going to be fine there. They brought in a couple of college guys and uh, that are supposed to be helping out with the offense. I think offensively, they're going to be just fine. I mean, McDaniels, McDaniels runs the show offensively anyway. I mean, when the offense is on the field, usually Bill is sitting there talking with the defense. So he trusts McDaniels enough that he's going to get it done. You know, they'll miss Chad O'Shea, obviously, and uh, because he had been around for a long time. But, you know, they, guys move on. They, that's something that can be replaced. Defensively now, they're, they're in a hole. I mean, Shiano was supposed to fill a big void. And now he's gone. And, you know, we we really didn't know what he was going to bring to the table. Um, I assumed it was something personal that came up. And I think it was Tom Curran or it might have been Phil Perry wrote something that a family situation arose with him to where he felt like he had a time off. So I'm assuming that, and this is just total assumption, that somebody in his family, perhaps his wife or somebody, you know, in his immediate family is sick. So, you know, that's something we'll have to see how that plays out, you know, eventually for him. But no, you know, they, they have a lack of a lot of warm bodies defensively. Now, Bill is going to have to continue to be the de facto defensive coordinator. I think that Brett Bielma, you know, who was, a quote-unquote defensive assistant to the head coach last year will have a much bigger role in the team this year. And they brought in Gerard Mayo, you know, uh, and they still have Belichick's two sons, which I imagine their roles will change. So, uh, no, I think defensively they still need to bring – they don't have a cornerbacks coach yet. That's right. Uh, I don't know who's going to handle that. And his one son, Steve, was coaching the safeties. Maybe he'll move over. Um, we'll see how they they play this out. But I I would think Bielma is going to have a much bigger role this year. I imagine he'll at the minimum take over the defensive line, um, yep. coaching staff, and he he might be the guy that's actually calling in the plays this year. Okay, excellent, Steve. Derek, back to you on the topic of talking about assistant coaches. And I'm curious your thoughts on this because over the years I've heard a lot of criticism on how Belichick handles his assistants, that they start at the bottom, they work their way up. And uh, there's been this feeling amongst some of the media that these coaches turn out to be just yes men. I completely disagree with that. I just think that they're learning from the bottom up. That's how Belichick learned from Ted Marchabro going all the way back. I think that's where this comes from, just his coaching philosophy, and he brings all these coaches along, and that's how they do it. But it's still out there. I still hear the talk about how they bring these coaches along. What are your thoughts on it? And then I'll go to Steve. Well, I do feel like it's important to have experienced people in the room with you, whether you're talking about coaching or in the front office. Obviously, a more ideal situation is – to have someone that can challenge you a little bit. I think Josh McDaniels has gotten to that point. 
Uh, I know Nick Casario certainly has gotten to that point. But besides that, I mean, I'm not really sure what you really have. Uh, you know, you mean Dante Skarnecki, obviously. Uh, you know, before, at least, if Matt Patricia or Brian Flores says, said something, you're probably listening a little bit more. But, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. And right. if you, I mean, when you when you are uh, the cream of the crop in terms of NFL football teams, your coaching staff is going to be poached and your players are going to be poached. And that's what happens pretty much every year. And that's pretty much happened for the last two decades. So I don't think it's anything that they're not used to. I do feel like the, the amount of transition both on the roster and coaching staff is a little bit more than normal. And the only thing I worry about is that as Belichick gets older, that it's just getting you know harder and harder to kind of keep it all together. Oh, very interesting take there, Derek. Steve, your thoughts on how Belichick uh, basically runs his coaching staff, how he brings them up from the bottom and then they work their all, all their way up. I believe Josh McDaniels went through that, and I, I would say probably. I'm not 100% sure that Nick Casero yep. probably went in that direction as well. And uh, it's just a very interesting thought because I, I know that there are voices that say there's no one there that can really challenge <laughs> Belichick and you know and we've heard this thoughts? for about 10 years now uh there, there's been rumors you know that some certain media guys float out there that Bill doesn't have anyone to challenge him and Pepper Johnson if you know if people cared to read stuff like this Pepper Johnson put that to bed over a year ago because I saw an interview with Pepper and who knows Bill better than Pepper does because he played for him with the Giants and then he coached with the Patriots for many years. He said that Belichick will go around the room and ask guys' opinions on things, and he doesn't want to hear just them agree with him because he's the boss. If he asks your opinion, and I'm paraphrasing here basically from what Pepper said, but if he asks your opinion, he wants it, and he's not above taking something that a, a, a small staffer says and putting it into practice and you know um that's why he hires these guys and he puts so much on their plate when they start at the bottom he wants to see what they can handle and every year he'll give you a little bit more to do to see how much you can handle on your plate and that's why these guys are successful with him right because you know he he grooms them to be that way and as for no one's going to say no to Bill, I think people probably do that all the time. And we forget about Ernie Adams, who's been with him forever. I was just thinking about that. I'm glad that you brought up Ernie Adams. No one talks about him. And obviously, he's a huge figure with the Patriots. He's just, again, like like a Wizard man. of Oz, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. the guy behind the mask kind of situation with Ernie Adams. But he's still there, too. Yep. Okay, very good. All right, guys. Let's talk about the pass interference change in the NFL. What are your thoughts on that now that instant replay can come in to play with uh, pass interference? I think it's going to be an effing disaster, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be honest. Thank you uh, very much. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be good and not, and not, and just not have to make it an you know, explicit episode. But seriously, I, I, I really don't, I don't think this is going to be a good idea. I understand why they're doing it. It's an overreaction, and the NFL loves to fix things that aren't broken, so that's just what it is. But, you know, there were a lot of mistakes made in that Saints game that people just want to blow off like they didn't happen because 
they got screwed at the end. Absolutely got hosed. I, I no no questions there. They you know were they the wrong team? Were the Rams the wrong team to get the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I I know that they. I think that when you if you're talking about plays or that are that are pass interference penalties that are called, if you wanted to say you want to challenge those, okay, I think it's a little bit better. You want to challenge. You want to be able to have coaches challenge plays that penalties that aren't even called. I think you're opening up Pandora's box, and I, I, I think they're going to have to be very strict with this rule. I really hope the refs are only going to be doing egregious calls because there's there's penalties on every play. Uh, there really is. I mean, there's there's holding on every single play. There's probably some illegal contact. There's probably some pass interference on one one of the sides. I think they are really playing with fire here, and I think this is going to be end up, end up being worse than the catch rule. You know, some people have have talked about, well, what's the big deal? Like the the coaches have the same amount of challenges. They absolutely do. I'm not worried about it. The NFL doesn't have a game speed issue. This isn't friggin' Major League Baseball. But what you do have to worry about is what is a penalty. What is a flag? It's the same situation we were in yesterday. The NFL is the most popular sport in America, and no one knew what a frigging catch was two years ago. Now we're in the same situation where where coaches are going to have this challenge flag in their back pocket, and at the end of the game, you know, when when situations are tight, up oh, here comes the challenge flag because we just got to see if something can happen on this play. Hail Marys when Gronk's getting choked out in the Eagles Super Bowl, or we call them that. I'm not sure. I I mean I, I really don't know what they think. This is I, I, if they think this is going to be an actual good solution. I mean, 31 out of 32 teams passed this thing. I I could not believe that they put this thing through. I'm not I'm not optimistic about it at all. Okay, Steve, do you think Derek has an opinion on this? Yeah, and um, mine is exactly <laughs> the same as his. I think this is an unmitigated disaster. Okay, because you know, um, so now, just like. Nobody knew what a catch was. Now nobody knows what a penalty is. And who's going to be the ultimate guy to decide that? Some unnamed staffer in New York is going to decide what's a penalty and what isn't. Okay? And, you know, I go I go to Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is was very outspoken on this. And he was like, when you slow something down to super slow motion, everything looks like pass interference. And that's what he says, you know, it, they're taking defense completely out of the game here. And and I totally agree with that because when you look at something, you know, uh, at game speed, you, you see it and you say, hey, that was just good hard play on both sides. And then when you slow it down, you, everyone says, oh, well, he might have grabbed a little bit here. Oh, he might have touched him here. I mean, this is, this is a disaster. And, the, you know. It, I think it's going to blow up in their face. It's going to change. Uh, I think it's going to change a lot of these these games because now what is a penalty and what isn't? Yeah. They still haven't, you know, they still haven't answered that. It's taking the game out of the officials' hands and it's putting it into the super slow-mo guy's hands. I hate it. Okay. Well, it's definitely opening up Pandora's box. You guys have both said that, so I understand where you're going on that. I'm one that has always wanted them to get the call right. So I'm not against it in theory, but I agree with both of you. I think it's going to be a disaster. I just don't think it's going to go the way I would want it to go. 
meaning that it has to be conclusive and, and there has to be concrete evidence. But there's this nuance to it that I agree with both of you is going to be horrible. And I don't think it's going to, going to turn out the way they want it to. I do think it's going to be a disaster. So in the end, even though I want replay uh, to get all calls right, including pass interference, it's just not going to be that way. It's just not going to be the way that it's supposed to be because of uh, the rules, the way things are, what's a catch, what's a penalty. You guys are right. I have to agree with both of you. You are both totally right that this is just going to be a mess, and we're going to watch it for the entire season. It should be very interesting how this all plays out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, guys, let's finish the show by talking about the AFC East and get your thoughts on each team. Derek, I'll start with you. Again, we're still in the team building process, so we'll see what happens. But as of right now, what are your thoughts on the Buffalo Bills? Well, I, I think Sean McDermott's done a pretty good job with them. I, I think a lot of their season's going to be determined by Josh Allen's progression as a quarterback going into his second year. Clearly, he has the ability to run the ball with his uh, you know, but with can he throw it consistently? Yeah, really. I mean, he has a terrific arm. It's just about consistency in terms of accuracy and and making all the throws and going through progressions, things like that. With most young quarterbacks, I think he showed a couple little things there. I'm not going to sit here and say he's the guy, but I, I'm curious to see that. I want to know what's around him. Uh, I yep. want to know, you know, what's their plan with Lashawn McCoy? I, it seems like it seems like the Bills. It seems like the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets, they each take their turn taking a step forward, and then before you know it, they take it three steps back. It's That's I, a great way to look at it. I, right I mean, that. And that's been consistent for, you know, really the majority of, um, you know, the Patriots' dynasty yeah. here. And if you look at really the only, team that's, the, the only team that's consistently – that was consistently kind of a pain in the ass was Rex Ryan's Jets. Yeah. And – I mean, that was a whole debacle in, in, in and of itself. But if you're talking about just the Bills, I think they have some good talent on defense. I do like McDermott and the coaching staff. I do believe that they're going to need to put more around Josh Allen. And I'm curious what their plan is with LaShawn McCoy. But a lot of their season is going to be determined by Josh Allen's progression. Totally agree. That's a great point from Derek. And Steve, your thoughts on the Bills? Because I think it does come down to Josh Allen. He can run the ball. He has a rocket arm, like Derek said. But when I watched him last year, I just was just questioning, could he progress? Could he become a consistent thrower of the ball? Because that's, I think, what he's lacking. So I think it really does come down to him for the Buffalo Bills. Like most teams, do you have the quarterback? Do the Bills have the quarterback? Steve, your thoughts? That's the big question for them. I mean, you know, he he showed some glimpses of that last year, but he was also, you know, he was – he was very inconsistent and that you expect that out of a rookie. Um, and honestly, I mean, they didn't surround him with the greatest of weapons last year. Now it'll be interesting to see 
how he does. They they signed some guys. They brought in John Brown, Cole Beasley. They brought in Frank Gore. You know, um, the one uh, the one move. Uh, well, they they try to get better protection around him. They signed Jake Fisher, the tackle, and Adrian Waddle, who was the Patriots' swing tackle, who I thought was an underrated signing by them because you know we know that that's an, a valuable piece. It'll be up to him now if he can make that next step. I mean, he showed some flashes last year, and and again, he was a rookie without a lot of talent around him offensively. So, you know, the Bills obviously tried to run the ball last year to take the pressure off him. But if they want to make any noise, they're going to have to open things up, and we'll have to see how they do. I think defensively, yeah, I, I think they're a pretty good defense. We saw that a couple of times last year. But uh, their offense was what held them back. And we'll see how Sean McDermott handles the draft and and uh, how they do that. But, yeah, it's all, I think it's all on Allen this year and year two. Totally agree. Now let's talk about the Dolphins. This is interesting. Obviously, we have a change of head coach, and we know the head coach. So what are your thoughts about the Dolphins? <laughs> That's a really good question because – you know, when you look at them, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, who's going to be the quarterback? I mean, they they kind of blew it up. I mean, they really blew it up. I mean, they they cleaned out the coaching staff. They brought in Brian Flores, and, you know, they brought in a bunch of expatriate guys, Patrick right. Graham, Chad O'Shea, you know. Um, you know, uh, but you, you look at – they re-signed Devontae Parker. They brought in Dwayne Allen. You know, um, they brought in Eric Rowe. But, you know, when you look at this, all right, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's your bridge guy. Right. I mean, you know, and, you know, Fitzy is one of those guys that he can have three games where he just looks like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers all rolled into one. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll give him a huge extension. And then the next three weeks, he'll throw like 13 interceptions. I mean, how many times have we seen this? Too many. So the big question for me is, who's going to be the quarterback? Obviously, they need to draft one early. I mean, you know, they brought in Fitzpatrick just, you know, as a bridge guy. Exactly. But that's that's a roster that is going through some real, really big changes. So um, it'll be interesting. Again, it, it falls on their quarterback to me. Totally agree. Derek, over to you. Thoughts on the Dolphins? And uh, what's interesting, like I said, there's all kinds of uh, Patriots ties on the Dolphins. Coaching staff and players going there. So what are your thoughts about the Dolphins? Do you agree with Steve? As we talked about with the Bills, it all starts with the quarterback again. What do you do there? Well, it certainly does all start with the quarterback, but I don't think their plan is to address it this year. I think their plan is to uh, basically tear – down the team to the foundation yep. and, and implement start over and impl- yeah exactly implement Brian Flores a system I think there's a couple pieces to work with on both sides of the ball but it's limited and you've seen kind of them jettison a bunch of different players out I think you'll continue to I think you'll continue to see them do that I think you'll continue to see them shed cap space whenever they possibly can and I don't think their plan is to take a quarterback early this year I think their plan is to take a quarterback early next year I think they'll be targeting you know, probably it seems like based on the beat writers I follow, they want to a from 
Alabama. But like I wow. said, there's a couple of big quarterbacks next year. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna tank really hard this year and you're gonna see them win probably four or five games and and then that will be it. Okay. Let's end with talking about the Jets. I've heard some buzz on the Jets based on uh, the play of Sam Darnold, you know, and again, I think Sam Darnold has a chance to be a good quarterback. I do. But um, are the Jets ready to be that team, Derek, like you said, one team in the AFC East makes the step up. Is this the team? Your thoughts? Well, Manish Mehta certainly thinks so. He thinks they're going to win the division. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, I think Sam Darnold showed a lot in in his rookie year. I do think I do think he could develop into a potential starting quarterback. For all I know, he'll be the best quarterback in the division in the next two or three years. We'll see. Uh, we'll find out. Um, you know, with the Jets, I'm never. I'm not going to pencil him in yet because I'm. I'm not convinced they won't screw it up in some way, shape, or form. I do like the addition of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, yeah. They had the cap space. To, they had the cap space to spend. I haven't looked at all the contracts, but I can almost assure you that it's really only a two or three year deal based on how almost all NFL contracts work. And I think he can still be productive and still be an asset. And I bet you he will be uh, Sam Darnold's best friend. He can help in the passing game. And he's certainly going to help in the running game. So at least that kind of helps Sam Darnold as he tries to progress in his second season. They still need to add some more, uh, you know, receivers and pass catchers. I, I know that they're kind of in a flux there. Quincy and Numa is always hurt. They have Roby Anderson, who's kind of in and out of trouble a lot. But they need yep. someone a little bit more uh, sturdy there uh, at the receiver position. I could definitely see them targeting a receiver relatively early in this draft. It seems like, by all accounts, they're going to add someone strong in the front seven with one of their first with, with, with their first pick at, at uh, number three overall if they don't trade right. down. Uh, you know, either Quentin Williams from Alabama or Josh Allen uh, on the edge there. So, you know, they should be adding to that defense. They still need to add some more linebackers. The Darren Lee thing was a total bust. They're going to be moving on from him at some point. So, yeah, they have they have they have some pieces in place. They have the most important piece in terms of a quarterback. It seems like it's just going to be like, okay, how well does Adam Gase implement his offensive system? And Greg Williams on the defensive side, what can he do? I do really think that's a nice pairing. You have a guy it's an on interesting defense. Pairing. It is. Yeah. I, it, it, and I would say it's a boomer bust pairing because you have some yeah. interesting personalities there. You have a really smart offensive mind that I'm not sure it's a great head coach. We'll see. And you have a very smart defensive mind that is kind of a dirtbag <laughs> based, based <laughs> on based on what I've, uh, you know, we, we – I, we, we've seen of him over the past few seasons. But, okay. um, you know, I'm curious with them. I do think that they'll be the second-best team in the division this year, though. Okay. That's interesting way to look at it. It's either going to succeed or it's going to implode big time. I like that, Derek. Very good. Steve, over to you. I just have two words for you, and then I want your thoughts on the Jets. Manish Mena. Yeah. Well, he's never one to shy away from making bombastic, ridiculous arguments and – you know his he's been he's been spot on with those uh, you know this uh, this spring i mean he he already put out there that sam darnold is going to be the best quarterback in the division yeah all right N- nothing like putting a little pressure on the kids love it um you Keep know going, i think Le'Veon bell was a good signing for them but yep you know um for for everyone who's predicting tremendous things from him that one thing you have to remember is 
when Le'Veon Bell was in Pittsburgh, he was running behind that Pittsburgh offensive line, yep. which is very, very good. The Jets do not have that kind of offensive line. Now, you know, with a lot of picks in the draft coming up and some low ones, could they address that? Absolutely. But, you know, um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. That coaching staff, I think the Jets are, with the personalities they have there and guys who don't like each other, yeah. let's just put it that way, and they've been very public about not liking each other, I think this is a team that's earmarked for hard knocks next year. <laughs> I think they're going to be that the Jets will be on hard knocks. I, okay. I, I see that coming. I, you know, and again, how much will Sam Donald, um, how much will he, uh, progress in his second year? I would have felt better if they kept McCown around to push him a little bit. Yep. Because you have Trevor Simeon behind you now. I mean, is Trevor Simeon going to push Sam Donald? I don't think so. I don't think so. And, you know, they have Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunua, Jamison Crowder. I mean, those guys are good, but uh, I don't think they're great. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it works out for them. You know, and I thought they made a good move, but they way overpaid for C.J. Mosley, who I yep. really like. I like him. Too. And if I'm C.J. Mosley, I signed that contract in a second. Oh, yeah. Because uh, – I thought they gave way too much money for him, but hey, you know, they obviously really liked him. They still, I think they still need another linebacker. We'll see how that works out for him, but you know, and uh, I'm not entirely convinced with their edge guys either. So we'll, you know, I thought re-signing Henry Anderson was a good move on their part. I think that, yeah, I agree with Derek. I think the Jets will be the second best team in the division this year, at least as of, you know, as of right now, we'll see how everything plays out. I agree, and like I said, this is all the team-building process. The Patriots included all will change. Every team is going to change. We're going to see how they add to their rosters, and the draft will have a lot to do with it. Free agency still to, um, you know, again, just finish out, and then, of course, you'll have uh, cuts. So all these teams are unfinished. It'll just be interesting to see what all these teams in the division end up with their rosters. But I agree with the two of you. I think the Jets are the second-best team in the division. I disagree strongly with Mr. Maida, but he's entitled to his opinion. He'll keep on being wrong until eventually he'll be right, and that's the way it works in the media sometimes. We're just going to keep on throwing it out there, see if it sticks, and eventually maybe it will stick. I don't think this is the season for it to stick. Great show, guys, as always. Before we go, I want to mention one more time, please check out the great draft previews from Steve and Derek. They have done two of them so far. A few weeks ago, they did draft prospects offensively. This week, they did defensively. Check out the episodes. I think you're going to enjoy them. The guys really go in depth, and they really give you players at many positions that could be good fits for the Patriots. So please check out our draft coverage. And Steve and Russ, just so you know, uh, yeah. Steve, and, Steve and I are going to be doing another show next week. Uh, and uh, I'm asking everybody now. We'll be tweeting it out and probably putting it on Facebook, yep. but we want to get some uh, draft questions from everybody. I think Steve and I are going to go through kind of an NFL draft mailbag next week. That's and, wonderful. And hopefully have an interview there as well. So that's kind of our plan for the following week. That's great. And I might throw in a draft question for your mailbag as well, Derek. So there you go on that. <laughs> Please do. Please I do. will. 
I, I, I want to put Derek on the spot. So I'm going to really give this a lot of thought. I might throw out some <laughs> players. Is there, is there a guy that compares to Danny Etling in this year's draft? That's a great <laughs> question, but I'm not going to go there. I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly not going to go there. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a homework assignment, Russ. Okay, give me a homework yeah. assignment, Steve. Okay, because uh, Derek and I were laughing about this the other day, and I, I threw this out there. You know, um, the Patriots always seem to draft a guy that everyone goes, who, who? So I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I want you to come back and tell me the position, where this guy plays, and what is his draft prospects? Saquon Hampton. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do my homework on not just that, but I'm also going to try to find <laughs> that player in this draft that's going to basically – Make their third round, off. third round, buddy. Okay, third round. okay. Because <laughs> going back to the beginning of Patriots fourth and two, if you listen to some of the beginning episodes and when the Patriots went through their draft after the uh, first season, the two, uh, 2011 season, and Derek and uh, Damian Jarrett, who did, did the first season with us, they lost their mind over that draft. So I got to find that player again. I, I got to find that player because I, I want to see Derek lose his mind over, over draft pick again. So I'm going to try to think that through. I'm glad that you brought that to my attention. So I will have an interesting mailbag question for you guys. I'm going to give that a lot of thought. I'll, I'll have to do some homework. Okay. Great show guys. We do have to wrap this up though. Before we go, I want to mention, please, if you're listening to us on iTunes, give us a review, give us a rating and helps other Patriots fans find us. We are on so many different places to find this show. It's not even funny. We are now hosted on Spreaker. You can listen to it there. They have a great app. And we're also on so many apps. So please do check us out. And, uh, again, if you're on iTunes, please give us a review. It does help. But it is time to wrap up this episode of Patriots 4th and 2. For my co-host, Steve and Derek, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Patriots 4th and 2 the official podcast of PatsFans.com.